Yeah, praise the Lord. He's good and he's great. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan, uh, for speaking on that. You know, we, uh, every, every year we, we like to partner with Agape Ranch on Stand Sunday and take a little bit of the, the service and uh, explain that. A lot of, a lot of uh, Oso Creek has, has started coming uh, within, I'd probably say, I've said it before, like 80 to 85% of this congregation has started attending within the last two years. Um, and sometimes it may get lost or not uh, communicated well about how much of a fostering and adoption community this is here at this church. And there's quite a few people who have already, you know, started leaving for and traveling for the holidays. But a lot of people, if, if, if the majority of us were here, there'd be so many people that would, were standing today when he called those out. And we're going to continue doing that because Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto him. So it's very important to continue to stand with Agape Ranch and to stand for vulnerable children. Amen? Amen. Yes? yes? All right. We've got a, a, a joy and a treat today. My heart is filled with, with so much joy. Gina, do you want to come on down and, and, and bring Luke this morning? Yeah, I'm going to get you a microphone. We are going to baptize Luke today, everybody. Gina, mom approached me a couple of weeks ago about this. So here, I'm going to give you the mic. This is Gina Banta. And Brandon is, where's Brandon? There he is. Brandon right there. There's Aaron right there, buddy. All right, cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. So we've, we've been discussing and we talked and, 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 and through you know, the communication that Gina has with Luke and, and she's prayed with him and read scripture with him and he's communicated that he knows, hey, Luke, Jesus loves you, man, and I know you love Jesus. Definitely so. And we're excited to be able to do this as a public declaration. It's so great to have family here. Hi, family. Ah, Gina, it's family, and, and just so glad you guys are here to celebrate this with us today. So if you want to place the towels and get that ready, and then here's the, little, the water dish. Yeah. God is so amazing, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Sure. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. 
Awesome. There you go. I'll let you do that. All right. Luke, because you love Jesus, and Jesus loves you and died for you, we baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. A child of the Lord. Amen. A child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Gina. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, just worship the Lord this morning. Amen. He's so good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. Man, I love baptisms. I love them. That's, uh, it just brings the body of Christ together in such a wonderful fashion. Amen. God bless you, Luke. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hey, high five somebody next to you, all right? Give somebody, tell, tell somebody next to you hello. Say, say welcome to church, the middle part of church. Amen. Go to Exodus chapter 3 in your Bibles again this week as we continue our Hello, My Name is God, Names of God series. Today, uh, this is part two of the name Jehovah that we, we started last week, okay? And uh, check out my time, and it's good. How many are ready for Thanksgiving? No, yeah, yeah, all right. We, we, my, my daughter Tatum is in town from Georgia, and so we, we had a little Thanksgiving uh, this Thursday already, turkey and sweet potatoes and green bean casserole and potatoes, more potatoes, and it was good. So I'm ready for round two this coming next week, you know. Uh, yeah, and speaking, of, it's going to be a celebration, and celebration today, Natasha Longoria has a birthday today, Carmela Quintanilla has a birthday today. Happy birthday, guys. All right, good. But I want to talk about Jehovah again, part two this morning, and, and I want to set the stage quickly and summarize the context of our text. We, we talked about our text a lot last week, you know, quite a bit. We unpacked the text a lot, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Um, and if you missed last week, man, I would just encourage you, implore you to, to go back sometime this week and listen to it. But let me, let me set the stage quickly. And for 400 years, God's chosen people, the Israelites, had been living in Egypt as slaves. They were oppressed. They were treated very harshly. Uh, they were groaning and crying out to the Lord for salvation and deliverance. And the time for deliverance was drawing near. Moses, a Jewish child, is born, and he is saved by God from the decree of death uh, that was given by Pharaoh, that every male Jewish baby would be thrown into the Nile River as kind of like a population control, because the Israelites were growing like, like grass, okay? Um, but he was floating down the river. His mom put him in a little basket. You got, many of you know this, this story, okay? And he was adopted by the uh, Pharaoh's daughter, and she adopted him as a son, and he grew up in the palace, the Egyptian palace, and 40 years passed by, and as an adult man, he defends himself by killing an Egyptian uh, who was mistreating one of the Israelites, and so Pharaoh got after him and wanted him arrested, so he escapes into the wilderness, and Moses becomes a shepherd, and he wanders around the wilderness as a fugitive leading flocks for 40 years, so 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the wilderness, and then God appears to him and speaks to him in a miraculous, supernatural way through a burning bush, and everything changes for our friend old Mo, okay? <laughs> his, his life changes right away, okay? 
It's the Hebrew, old Mo, all right? Uh, God says, he tells Moses that he knows his people's plight, he knows their oppression, he knows their suffering, and he's going to deliver them, and he's gonna send Moses to be their leader and to help deliver them and lead them out of Egypt. So I spent a lot of time, like four pages of notes last week on that aspect of our text. And you may say, well, Greg, you summed it up pretty quickly right there. Why didn't you do that last week? <laughs> Sermon was a little long last week, Greg, you know, because I wanted you to get the, the nutrients of the word of God, okay? The essence of, of, of scripture. Um, but so if you unpack that last week, go back and listen to it. We, we talk about Moses and, and who he is and what he's feeling at this time. But for the sake of time this morning, I just want to read uh, verses 13 through 15 of Exodus 3. Again, last week we did 1 through 15, but for, for today's message, I want to focus on these three verses. Then Moses said to God, remember God said, hey, I'm going to deliver my people and chief, you're going to be the one that's going to lead them out of Egypt, okay? Uh, Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob the great Israelite patriarchs has sent me to you. God says, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Guess what that includes? Us today. We're included in that all generations, okay? So again, last week I went to a lot of detail regarding our text, regarding Moses, what he was doing, how God found him, what God said to him. We also learned last week, and I've got to be quick, I can't leave the airport in the hangar too long, it's got to take flight, okay? Uh, you see how last week's Crete notes are filled in already. We learned that, you know, his name is Yahweh, but it actually, it was spelled in the Hebrew Y-H-W-H, that's the Tetragrammatron, which the Greek means four letters. His name was so holy, so sacred, so revered that, that the Israelites wouldn't even say his name. They actually forgot how to pronounce his name. They, they would go to great lengths to not write his name, to not speak his name because it was so holy. It was so awesome. And so they didn't want to write the name of the Lord. So what they did, they took the, the, the Hebrew consonants for the word Adonai, which is Lord and Master. We talked about that. Put them into Y. H-W-H, and that's spelled Yahweh, and as it got translated, the, the Latinized version of Yahweh is Jehovah. How many have heard of Jehovah before, yeah? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace. You guys know that song? That's an old song right there. Oldie but a goodie, right? That's coming later, okay, in the compound covenant names of God. But Yahweh Jehovah is the personal covenantal relational God. This is his personal name, Okay. We talked about how the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, means Adonai, but when you're reading the Bible and you see all capitals, L-O-R-D, it's talking about Jehovah. It's talking about I am, and it's personal, it's relational. Jehovah means I am. This is this personal name that we can know. And so we, we, we started talking last week about four things we can learn from God calling himself I am. 
One I am shows that God is incomprehensible. He's absolute and he is eternal. Two, it shows that I am shows that God is unchanging in his nature. Don't you love that? I love that God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's going to be the same. That's why we can count on him. That's why we can run to him. That's why we can anchor our lives into him, okay? So I want to pick this up this week where we left off last week with the third thing that God calling himself I am shows us and tells us about God. Raise your hand if you're still with me. Thank you. All right. Nudge somebody if they didn't raise their hand. They're asleep, okay? Number three... I am shows that God is self-defined. God is self-defined. And man, I really, really, really like this one, especially in our specific culture and society. And that, that's your next line of Crete notes is right there. God is self-defined. I'm going to say some pretty heavy things here in a minute. Can you guys handle that? A few of you? Okay. God says, I am who I am. God sets his own agenda. And God defines himself. He doesn't need men or women to define him or who he is. God isn't boxed in because of man's limited knowledge, okay? God isn't defined by only what we can understand And here's a big one. God doesn't need to be identified or defined through trends or culture or pressures in society. Yet, everyone say yet. Yet we see pastors and people in the church, even people in the world, doing this very thing all of the time. Trying to transform God into the person they want him to be. That's good preaching. It got a little quiet in here. Good quiet in here. Uh, People do that all the time. Try to transform God into who they want him to be. Trying to define God on their terms. Putting God in a box of their own making, right? Believing only a small fraction of the characteristics and the attributes of God that we find that he's revealed himself to us as, but not all of the revelation of God. They just like this one or this one, but I'm gonna take this one and put it off. I don't like that one, God, but I like this one and this one and this one of who you are. And, and, and people will say things like, well, God, I, I want you to be like what I like. I want you to be what I'm comfortable with, Lord. I want you to be a comfortable God to me. God, I want to define you by by what I think. I want to define your parameters, Lord. I I want to set all that up. Gang, that's nothing more than idolatry. That's idolatry in its biggest form. Oh, Greg, I don't bow before a stone-carved idol. No, but you're putting parameters on God. You're trying to make God who you want him to be. It's the same thing. You're creating another God. A God that's different than the revealed one that's in the Bible. Because God has revealed himself, who he is, what his character is, his attributes, his nature. It's all found in his word. And we can know God and understand God 
who he is and what it's about by knowing his word. And to do anything other than what God's word says is idolatry. Or even just saying, I'll take this one and this one, but I'll, you can leave the rest. I, I don't care about those. It's idolatry and that's breaking, that's breaking the first two of the big 10 commandments. Not good. I knew it'd get quiet right there, right? But people just, they don't like that, do they? They don't like to hear a statement like that. Why? Because like I mentioned three weeks ago when we talked about God's revealed name, Adonai, who is the Lord and master, they want control. People want to call the shots. People want to define People want to pick and choose. And we don't only do that with God's name, we do this with God's word, and I've talked about that many times. I want to pick and choose what I like, and I'll just disregard the rest. And so like I mentioned last week, they, they want to focus on one or two aspects of God's character that's acceptable, that's satisfactory to them, and ignore the rest. For instance, they'll say, God is love. How many have heard that? Yes, okay, God is love and he loves everyone and God is all about love and it's okay. You can live how you want. You can do what you want because God is love and it's all about love and God is graceful and he's merciful so he will understand that we are sinners so it's okay to sin. It's okay to, to live in a sinful lifestyle because God is forgiving. People are saying that all the time and, and there's truth in that to an extent, God is love. God does love everyone. God is merciful and God is full of grace and God does forgive our sins. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, right? Praise the Lord for that. Those are wonderful attributes of God, but he is more than that. He's also holy. He's also holy. That means he can't even be in the presence of sin. That means God doesn't wink at sin. He doesn't wink at sinful lifestyles. And that because he's holy, he commands us to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. Because he is holy, we are to walk in holiness, growing out of our sins, growing to be more like Christ, living a life of holiness that starts in the heart and is transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more like Christ and less like the world. That we live by doing or not doing things because of our love for Jesus, because he is holy. God is holy and God is right. Tell that to somebody. Say, God is right. And look, when we sin, we sin against the holiness and righteousness of God because he is the only moral standard of all time because he's unchanging. I don't want somebody that changes with the whims of time to dictate what morality is or somebody that feels the pressure of society to change their mind on what is moral and what is not. No, God is immutable. He is unchanging. That's why he is the only absolute moral authority, and his word contains what he says. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching, amen. <laughs> Listen, God is holy, and he's right. But listen, God is also wrathful. Oh, oh, Greg, stop. No, God is wrathful as well. We may not like that, but it's true. And listen, when one is holy, 
As God is, he has to act in wrath and in punishment and in discipline when the line is crossed and transgressions happen. Now that might seem to turn people off from God or turn people away from God, but it is who he is. It is who he is. And that's good because again, you can't have uh, perfect holiness without the opposite. You can't have perfect holiness without also having some wrath and punishment and discipline when transgressions are, or have been done. I don't want to serve and worship a God who isn't perfect in holiness. Not at all. There's a pastor and a seminary president, Ken Hemphill writes, and I like a quote, he says, as a holy God, Yahweh must condemn sin because it destroys his very image in man who was created for relationship with a holy God. Yet in his love, he's provided a way for man's redemption. This aspect makes people uncomfortable, but it is who God is. This is I am. And here's a great example of what I'm talking about using scripture from the Old Testament prophet Nahum. You know, we, we can read uh, Nahum chapter one, and everyone loves to quote verse three, where chapter one, verse three says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Yes, amen, woo we love that, yes? Yes, the Lord is slow to anger, woo But they don't continue reading the verse. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty, His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. We forget verse two preceding this one. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. We fail to read verse six. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. Oh, but we love verse seven of Nahum chapter one. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Yeah, woo I go to the rock of my salvation. That's another good song right there, an oldie but a goodie. We love that, right? And that's so encouraging. And yes, God is good. He's a stronghold in a time of trouble. Man, when the storm comes, he's a refuge that we can run into and we're saved. High five myself. (laughs) But what about verse eight? This is all in one chapter. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. What do we see here just in this one chapter of the book of Nahum? The prophet Nahum will not allow this partial defining of God to our whims and our likings. You see, the prophet himself weaves God's goodness and his wrath together. The prophet doesn't separate them. He weaves them together in his text. He's like, no, we can't just partially define God. But people do that all the time. And and we don't like when we talk about these aspects. Even now, talking about this might make you feel uncomfortable sitting here or watching online. And that's good. That's good because we should have a holy fear regarding God's wrath and his holiness and it should make us uncomfortable. Why? Because God doesn't like sin. 
And I am defines himself. And he does not want his children sinning or living lives of unrepentant habitual sin or habitual unrepentant sinful lifestyles. Look, gang, you won't find anywhere in the word of God that he is okay with that kind of stuff anywhere in his word. It's okay, just, just live in unrepentant sin. Dude, it's okay, I'll forgive you later. It's okay, man, I understand, life is tough, there's a lot of temptations, and, and I just, it's okay, man, I'm gracious and merciful. Just live how you want to, and, and, and I'll forgive you later. No, God calls us out of that stuff. The whole word is about coming out, sanctification, growing in the Lord and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, but Greg, we, we, Greg hold on, man. We, we can live however we want and with whomever we, we want because God is love and, and we're all about love and it's okay. It's, it's okay, right? God's all about love, and if it's all about, if he's about love, and this is about love, and we're about love, then that, that, that even if his word says, yeah, I, I think it's going to be all right. You see what a, a person does right there? When they try to define God like that, they actually make an idol. And instead of saying God is love, you know what they're actually saying? Love is God. They're flipping it. And they're actually saying it's all about love. And if it's all about love and we're all about love, then love is God instead of God is love as one of his character traits. And it's not okay. And people play these delusional games on earth right now. But listen, one day they will be standing before the great I am. You, me, all of us will be standing before I am one day. And we will all have to give an account. Romans chapter 14, verse 11, 12. The apostle Paul writes, for it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And listen to me, on that day, those petty, weak excuses of trying to justify how people decide to live on their own terms and their own definitions will fall flat. Because God is holy and merciful and gracious and kind and loving and good, but he's also wrathful and right or righteousness means he is the right way and his word is the right way and he is just. And he's our judge. And he's a just judge. And he's the authority. He sets the parameters. He says what's right and what's wrong in his word. Amen? Amen? I told you I was going to tell you some heavy stuff. And we'll all stand before, one God, before God one day. And I ask, how's your self-definition and self-diagnosis of how you think it's okay to live going to stand up then? It won't. And I fear that we have lost a holy fear of God and his awesomeness as he has defined himself. And we've listened to, believers have listened to TikTok or social media or news blast or whatever social things in culture trying to say who God is and what God is and we listen to that more than God's word. He has defined himself. God's holy and he's awesome and he's great. He is I am. 
Well, Greg, I don't like all this talk about God's wrath. I don't like to talk about his anger being poured out and God pursuing and overcoming his enemies and destroying him, destroying him like those verses said. Well, first off, who do we think that we are that we can even disagree and go against God? Who do we think we are, people, right? Who do we think we are that we can even tell God, I'm going to define you. I'm going to serve you on the terms that only I like. Listen, God doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need my opinion. He doesn't need mankind's opinion. And if, if someone disagrees with God on who he is, he's gonna say, I'm sorry, but I'm not changing because I am. Praise the Lord. Listen, God does not answer to us. God does not answer to us. That's really good. But we have to answer to Elohim, the creator, all-powerful, sovereign, and supreme God. We have to submit to Adonai, the Lord and Master. We have to submit to Jehovah, the relational, covenantal, personal God. Amen? And God will pursue his enemies, and their end is already set in motion. It's destruction. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is ending in death. That's heavy, but praise God, there's good news, amen? Tell somebody there's good news. Say, Greg's gonna talk about good news now. God is, he is merciful and graceful, and we are in a time period of grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and he hung on the cross, okay? And God poured his wrath upon Jesus and the punishment that was meant for you and me, that wrath, it was poured upon Jesus so that we could escape his wrath, his punishment for our sins, his anger towards our transgressions, so that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him with our mouth, that he's our Lord and Savior and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved from God's wrath, Romans 10, 9. We turn to Jesus. We live for Jesus, not ourselves. Then when God looks at us, he doesn't see our unrighteousness. He doesn't see our transgressions. He sees the perfect cloak of Christ's righteousness that Jesus put on us, Zechariah 3, praise the Lord. That is good news. And then we can live in the grace and mercy of a loving God who pardons and forgives us when we mess up and we run back to him as a loving father. Praise the Lord. But for those that reject Christ and reject this offer of grace and forgiveness from God, in the end, Colossians 3, 6 says that God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And they disobeyed by not turning to Jesus not denying themselves and taking up the cross and following him. Look, this is not popular preaching. <laughs> it's not, but it's the word of God. And it, and, it, and, it, and it needs, we need to understand and know that, right? Help us to know you, God, in your fullness, amen. Hmm. Our text for the last two weeks is God visiting Moses and calling him. Listen to another time God visited with Moses and spoke to him. I'll read it. It's not going to be on the screens. It's Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. The Lord Jehovah passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, that's Jehovah here, Yahweh, is a compassionate and gracious God, 
slow to anger, there it is again, and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. We have to turn to Christ, gang. Be covered in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, man, dude, we are God's children, praise the Lord. No longer against him. Paul writes that, man, we are enemies without Christ of the Lord. So listen, I don't know. If you're here in your heart status or you're watching online, make Christ your Savior and Lord today and get under the arms of a loving Heavenly Father. Amen? So Jehovah God, the I am, defines himself. The fourth thing that God calling himself I am shows us and tells us about God is this. I am whatever you need and have need of. And I love this. I love this game. What need do you have in your life? I am is there. Do you need peace, healing, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, relational, or financial? Do you need strength? Do you need help? Do you need deliverance? Do you need wisdom? Do you need satisfaction in your soul? Do you need joy in your heart? Do you need peace for your mind? Do you need boldness? Do you need support? Do you need a friend? Do you need breakthrough? Do you need life? I am is whatever you need and have need of. God is sufficient to meet every need of ours according to his good will and his good purposes. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 19 and 20, the apostle Paul writes to this, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When you have a need, a crisis, or a situation, listen gang, run to Jehovah God, the personal, relational, covenantal God. Run to I am. Run to I am, praise the Lord. Because like I said last, in last week's message, I highlighted it. God hears our cries. He sees us and he knows us. He hears our cries, he sees us, he hears us, and he knows us. And we read that in the text uh, uh, to the Israelites, verse seven. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them. God knew the plight and the oppression of his people and he's come to deliver them. Listen, Jehovah God, Yahweh knows you. He knows the real you. Sure, we can play games and you can fool others. You can mask the hurt, mask the wounds, right? Play the game, put on a smiling face. You can act like you've got it all together, but maybe like you're inside, you're crying like the Israelites were crying. Maybe life has been oppressive for you. Maybe someone is bearing down hard on you. Maybe the burdens are just too heavy for to you to lift on your own. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in the sea of life and there's just no hope for you anywhere. You're at that last strand of twine, of rope that, that you're gripping and everything and everyone seems to be against you. That fire you, you had in life and that zeal, it's, it's almost extinguished out because the busyness of life, you're running here and there and everywhere and it's just crazy. Maybe you're spiritually dry. Maybe you feel lifeless. Maybe all this comes from a sickness or a bad relationship or a wound or, or a hurt or, or something that's been done to you, Right? Life hasn't treated you very kindly or fairly lately. 
Maybe you feel all alone, like you've no one to turn to or be with. Maybe you can't sleep, you're anxious and you're worried, anxious thoughts. You know, we don't really do a good job in the church talking about mental health, but perhaps mentally you're not doing very well, discouraged, depressed, dejected. I could continue all day long with emotional needs we have, mental needs we have, physical and material and relational needs we have, spiritual needs we have. Listen, run to Jehovah. Run to the I am. He hears you, he sees you, he knows you. And like the Israelites, he wants to deliver you and help you and heal you. If you've called on Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you are his child. Run to him because there's strength in his presence. There's healing in his presence. There's peace in his presence. There's wholeness in his presence. God had Moses tell the Israelites in verse 15, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. These are the great patriarchs of Israel. This would remind them that God has been there and he has been faithful and he will be faithful. His name is faithfulness, praise the Lord. He's a faithful God. And that speaks to us today. Jehovah God is a faithful God. He has been with you. He will be with you. And he's with you right now. Look, the God I am is in the present tense of our lives. He acts in the present tense. He didn't tell Moses, I was or I will be. No, he said, I am who I am. That signifies that God is actively present. He was actively present with the Israelites then. And he's actively present with us right now. He's the living God moving in our lives presently, presently. Listen, you don't have to wait for God. You don't have to wait for God to come around. You know, well, well, he was here once and maybe if I just wait for him and maybe he'll come back around. No, he's here now, actively present in your life. He's a great God. He's I am. Moses might have thought when he heard God say I am, he's like, I I am? I am? I am? What do you mean, God? What is that? I am what? I, and God says, I am whatever you have need of. I'm not who, I'm not, you know, I used to be or I'm going to, no, I am presently immutable, unchanging. Can you hear God saying that to you right now? God, I am, will fulfill his promises in us. He'll fulfill his promises in us. That's what God told uh, Moses to tell the Israelites. He's going to be faithful to his covenant that he gave with the patriarchs. He would fulfill his covenantal promise with them. Listen, Jehovah God doesn't do things halfway, guys. He doesn't do things just halfway. He doesn't leave things unfinished. I'm high ADHD. I've got a thousand books that I've started to read and I can't finish them, okay? That's not God. He does it. His work is complete and his purposes and plans will be fulfilled in your life as his child. So if it seems like something's not done, all right, or maybe part, just hold on, keep trusting. God is still presently working today, amen? The best good news as we bring this down to a close, the best good news for all mankind is this. I am has come down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. John 1, verses 1 through 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You see, God revealed himself by taking on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus often said, if, you, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And if you want to see the Father, then look at him. Because they say he and the Father are one. And it's a beautiful thing. Jesus himself proclaimed, I am. Jesus said, I am. John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Do you realize how radical this was in the New Testament time of the Jewish people? If the musicians want to come on up, Jake and them. In the New Testament time of the Jewish religious leaders, they would have immediately recognized what Jesus was claiming. Jesus was taking the personal name of God that was revealed to the patriarchs, one that they took so seriously, again, they wouldn't even write it down. They wouldn't even pronounce it, okay, with their lips. And he was claiming to be him. Jesus is saying, I am Jehovah God, Yahweh. I am the one that you're even afraid to pronounce so you won't even write the full name. Jesus claimed to be Yahweh in the flesh right before their eyes. And to the Jewish religious leaders, this was blasphemy. This deserved punishment of stoning. This is one reason why the Jewish religious leaders had such contempt for Jesus because he equated himself with God. He claimed that he was I am in the flesh. And guess what? He was and he is, praise God. And he backed that up, praise the Lord. And the same truths apply to Jesus actively presently in our lives right now. Whatever we need, we can find in Jesus. Gang, we preach and teach the doctrine of the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means whatever you have need of, it's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus furthered the I am by saying many I am statements. I am the bread. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the vine. I am the living water. Woo! It's Jesus, amen? It's Jesus, praise the Lord. <laughs> I like what one pastor writes. Jesus took the name of God and filled in the blank. <laughs> and there's some wonderful news for us this morning. The Jesus I am, he will be with you. He has been there and he's there right now. As Francis Schaeffer wrote, God is there. And Jesus is present with, present with you and me, presently right now with us. He's I am, continually working in our lives. You see, one thing Moses learned, it's not about who you are, but it's about who is with you. Moses had all these excuses, right? And God's like, it's not about you, Moses. It's about me who's gonna be with you. Again, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Who's with you? He's with you through every storm and every rough sea of life. He's in the boat with you. He's also with you in the calm and beautiful calm waters as well. And the truth is this. The only way we can know Jehovah personally in our lives is through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about who is with you. So no matter what you might be facing in this building Online today, it's about who is with you. And Jesus is with you. He came and lived a perfect life and died for you and for me. And he's presently with us. Because of that, we have access to a holy 
and perfect, beautiful God. So the issue in life is you need more of the I am in your life. I need more of the I am in my life. You want to be a better parent? You need more of the I am. You want to be a better husband or wife? You need more of the I am. You want to be a better witness in that dark place of work? You need more of the I am. You want more satisfaction, more fulfillment in life? You need more of the I am in your life. The issue isn't sickness or loneliness or stress or busyness or burnout or emotional turmoil or anything like that. The issue is that you and I need more of a revelation of the person and nature and the presence of I am in our lives. I hope you guys understand that today. Because just as powerful as this personal name was to Moses and the Israelites, it's a powerful personal name to us. We've talked about the creator God, sovereign and supreme, master and Lord. Next week, Pastor John is going to talk about the most high. But here, Jehovah, Yahweh, it's personal. He knows you. He knows me. Thank you, God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you provided a way for us, Lord, to escape the just punishment that was deservedly all of ours. And that escape comes from Jesus Christ. Who took the punishment for all of us. And we thank you, Jesus. Lord, you know everyone that's here this morning, those that are watching online. And I just pray for each one this morning. God, you really know us. You know the true us, the real us. And I pray, God, that you just move in every heart and every life this morning, God, as you reveal to each one who you are in relation to I am and what that means in our lives. Speak to us, help us, heal us, deliver us, save us, Lord. Save us. God, I know there's some that are crying out to you. There's some who are fearful, some who are anxious, some who are afraid. Some, God, need wisdom. Some need direction. Some are going through an emotional and mental turmoil and storm, God. I pray, Jesus, you would stand up in the boat and say, peace, be still. And you do your work in our lives. Hallelujah. Jesus. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen.